Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The Mike Wise Show has been renamed because Twitter banned our previous name, The Wise Ass Show. It was deemed too profane for Twitter. For real. Think about that. Banned by Twitter. Who knew Mike was such a threat to society? <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing, Darlene. Like me, a threat to society. You're damn right. Wendy, honey, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to bash your brains in. Bash your right the fuck. <sighs> Twitter. What a joke. Banned by Twitter advertising. All right. We're the Mike Wise Show. We're not the Wise Ass Show, but I'm still going to be a wise ass. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? The Mike Wise Show, formerly The Wise-Ass Show, is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Each Monday, we have really great guests like Jeannie Buss, PJ Carlissimo, Garrett Temple, Jamal Crawford, and Rick Buecher. This show is one of the three weekly podcasts in the Pure Hoops Media family. The Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman comes your way each Friday. And Catch and Shoot, featuring Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov, drops each Wednesday. Adam and Noah's previous two guests were legendary coach George Carl and 25-year NBA official Steve Javi. Please listen and re-listen to all of our shows. And subscribe, download, rate, review, and enjoy. You're such a wise ass. Welcome to the Mike Wise Show, episode number eight. As Darlene stated earlier, um, Twitter has banned us. Not a real ban, but they've essentially said um, that if we're going to advertise on Twitter, we need to essentially be the Mike Wise Show because the word ass is just too strong for a, a a medium that's encountered every bad thing put on it imaginable, including Rick Buecher's tweets. How are you, Rick? Welcome to the show. I, I'm good. Please, please tell me you're kidding. No, please I'm not. I, I I'm not. That Twitter would not accept advertising for the show with its old title. Is that crazy? Is it okay for me to say that Twitter is an ass for putting that rule in place? Oh yeah, yeah you can, yeah you can oh, go can off on that. Twitter so all you like. You just can't advertise the word ass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are this, this is a by the way this this is a medium in which someone recently tweeted me. Um, I wish your father had pulled out. I mean, yeah. Oh, know, oh, that that, that yeah, guy and, didn't get and, banned. Huh? And as rude as that might be, it is mild in comparison to some of the things. Yeah. That, well, I, uh, I, 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 I actually responded yeah. to him. I, I sent back, um, you know, um, go to bed, mom. <laughs> I thought that was. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So uh, anyway, I, look, I'm really glad to have you on the show because 
not only have you been a longtime colleague, but uh, you've morphed into a friend and more than a peripheral friend, somebody I could talk to about a lot of different things, including things in the business. I um, look, let, let me just tell you straight up, I'm uh, you you have reinvented yourself better than anyone. You're doing Bleacher Report now, uh, not only mm -hmm. writing, but uh, but but. Um, announcing, broadcasting, and you have the podcast Buker and Friends that's just right. started out. And uh, congratulations on that. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's seeing the landscape change and seeing the seeing our business change, um, I've realized it's kind of figuring out what is it that I do that still is uh, applicable, um, what, what still has value, and it's 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 storytelling it's reporting and it's storytelling but it's doing it through different mediums and and in maybe in different ways and figuring out le learning new disciplines in order to do that uh actually is ha has been energizing uh so I, I, it's funny because i you know and i'm sure you've been faced with the same thing it's always it's certainly a reflection of of age when you find people in the business who say, "So how do I how do I get to where you are?" And I'm like, um, "Okay, well, yeah. you can't because the path that I took to doing what I do doesn't exist anymore." And then they were like, "Well, if you were me, what would you do?" And I've often said, "Look, I, I think the technology is there for people to be their own storytellers, to be to to be able to reach an audience." Uh, on their own. You don't need a big network. You don't need uh, some huge entity that you need to become a part of in order to uh, connect to an audience. Uh, the, yeah. the wherewithal is there to do it. And so that's all that's all fine. That. That, yeah, that's all fine and good. But I miss ESPN's money. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I miss I miss the I miss the, the TV money yeah. when it was real. TV money. I mean, right. I, I, it's amazing the number of people that I know where TV is, and I see this with a lot of players who are trying to move into uh, into the space. Like we look at it and we think it's being populated by all these various players, and it is, but they're not getting they're not getting paid a whole lot. And no. uh, TV is taking advantage of that, um, in and and taking advantage of it, but also being forced to take that approach because. Uh, let's face it, TV doesn't have the same bandwidth when it comes to, to making money that it once did. They're trying to figure it out uh, as well. And I think the difference is that, you know, I'd rather be like a small entity where I'm, a, I'm able to be a little more flexible than to be with a, to be a huge entity and I'm trying to steer this, this ocean liner and to turn it in, an, in a new direction. That's that's a nice way to put it. My guest is Rick Buker. He is uh, now with Bleacher Report and does his own podcast. You've known him from ESPN, TNT. Shoot, I met him back in 1994 at the San Jose Mercury News. He was yep. covering the Golden State Warriors, and you and the, when the Golden State Warriors, other than uh, Rich, uh, Mitch Richmond, Tim Hardaway, and Chris Mullen. And for mm. a time, Chris Weber really didn't matter for, for a lot of years. And um, and now, of course, they're on top of the world and you still live in the same area because that you, you've you I don't. Do, when do you um, 
I know you came east to work at the Washington yep. Post. Yep. Did you yep. did, were you in Bristol while you were at ESPN or did you stay in the Bay Area? No, so I went to Washington Post. I moved I moved to the uh to uh Old Town Alexandria and I was there for about a year and when when I first got there, the Washington Post said to me, George Solomon said, just give me a year before you go to ESPN. And I thought it was like the stupidest thing. I mean, just I thought it was a ridiculous thing to say because I'd never talked to anyone at ESPN. As far as I knew, they didn't know that I existed. And and I'm going to the Washington Post. I mean, I was going <laughs> to the San Jose Mercury News to the Washington Post. Like, well, I'm not – this is, this is a – a big step in my career and yet it was about a year to the day that um you'll learn as you do podcasts to put your your phone on mute um, well actually you know, actually that's my producer bruce bernstein um and you know and he's only been doing it 35 years including 30 at espn so yeah no biggie <laughs> yeah but he's probably never in the studio at the same time so you know and, and what? we're all no he's not yeah, we're all in different cities, and uh, and it won't be the first time I've thrown the help under the bus. So. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, um, I got you know, ESPN was uh, launching the magazine, and uh, they about a year to the day they they approached me about uh, about coming, and this will this will give you a reflection of where I started there, and where the Washington Post, the Washington Post actually was offering me more money than ESPN was. And I said no to ESPN. I just said, I can't, I can't make this move. I wanna make this move. I wanna get into multimedia. I think that's where things are going. I saw the end coming for newspapers as being viable. And, um, but I wasn't gonna go for less. And so I said no. And then um, that we all, uh, all know John Marvel saw me it was this was during mm -hmm. the lockout 98 99 um saw me i was because i was at the post and uh there wasn't no nba to cover uh they put me on the home run derby between uh <laughs> between uh, mcguire and sosa and i ran into him in, in san diego and he says yeah i hear you're not going it's too bad i said yeah i said you know we weren't that far apart i just couldn't i couldn't take less and he said well i could probably he was running dot com at the time he said i could probably throw a little money in if you'd, you'd be willing to write for us you know here and there and i was like well, yeah sure so that ended up getting it done and when i took that job they said i could live anywhere but dc because aldridge uh david aldridge was still with espn at the time and they wanted mm -hmm. me to go to chicago because the bulls were you know at their at their precipice um but i also i convinced them that you know, the bulls are about to fall off. This is it, you know, this is the last dance and then there's no reason for me to be in Chicago. But if I'm in the Bay Area, I'm about an hour and a half flight from like six, seven different teams. And that would give us a nice balance between myself and Aldridge. And my other thing was, is that when I left the Bay Area, I've lived in New Hampshire, San Diego, New York, uh, you know, Alexandria, Old Town Alexandria for a short, short period of time. I've never missed a place the way I missed the Bay Area. And so yeah. seeing the opportunity to go to move back was also uh, one of the the real driving forces behind what I wanted to do and where I wanted to do it. And basically, I haven't left since. 
You're listening to the uh, Mike Wise Show, formerly the Wise Ass Show. Rick Buecher, <laughs> I, I asked him one simple question, which was, do you still live in the Bay Area? Yeah, and he yeah. went on and for did, a convoluted yeah. 18 minutes to tell me yeah. that this is his life. I don't really yeah. give a crap about your life. Yeah. I just came up. I just wanted to ask you about Kobe and LeBron. It's it, No, I'm kidding. That's. You went down a lot of memory. I was trying to hold that off as long as I could. Uh, um, Rick, uh, Rick has bounced around like myself. He's been part of the, you know, what's interesting tangent, but I, you know, you saw the end of newspapers coming before I did, because, you know, I, I want to say about 2000, 2002, maybe around that time, newspapers stopped being king. They were not, they were, they were not the the end-all, be-all media source, and especially the better newspapers that we were fortunate enough to work for. The Mercury News, yep. in its heyday, was was one of the incredible sports sections in the country. Um, sure. cer certainly, the Washington Post, when I joined it, you know, I joined, and you were there as well. Murderer's mm -hmm. Row of columnists. I mean, Sally yep. Jenkins, you know, Kornheiser and Wilbon wrote regularly, and so did Tom Boswell. It was, you know, it was just incredible. And and then. And then, you know, the New York Times for you, ESPN during many of its like ESPN.com, ESPN magazine has sort of now gone uh, biweekly or whatever. By it just blows me away because these were the standards in the business. And suddenly, yeah. you know, I look back and I go, I go, what happened? And, I, you know, we could always say, well, they gave away their content for free and then and that killed them and they should have charged. But whatever. Uh, things change, and it's good to see you being as old as you are contemporary. You've kind of changed <laughs> with the times. You've found a way to make things work, and and not everybody has in our business. You know, some of our, you know, what I would call peripheral friends, but people that we saw every year at different yeah. events, they just, for whatever reason, could not make the jump or couldn't find a way, and sort of like, you know, it's it's like people that used to do linotype or or uh, yeah. be be in the composing room on newspapers when you had to have an exacta knife to make sure the the pages met and that those jobs aren't out there anymore and it's just well it's kind of like the center in the NBA it's being legislated out of the game <laughs> in a weird yeah way. and yet and yet the game goes on and it's still played and there are people like you know it's it's a matter of do you want to be part of this moving forward or are you stuck on being who you were previously. I mean, center, there are still centers. They're just centers that don't post up and have to be able to shoot the three. So if you have the skill to be able to handle a little bit and shoot the three or develop the ability to shoot the three, I mean, how many guys, how many guys do we know? Kenneth Fareed, Kenneth Fareed is shooting threes now. Of, of all the guys I would have listed that, I mean, maybe Bo Outlaw would have been more of a surprise if he had developed a three-point shot. But outside of him, that Kenneth Fareed became a long-range shooter, apparently because when he was in Brooklyn and he wasn't playing, that's all he did. He just went out there and shot threes. But it's a matter of are you, are you willing to adapt in order to continue to do – and to do what you do. And uh, let's face it, I mean, I um, – it's it's a challenge for me too. I uh, don't think that like the way Bleacher Report operates. Like I, this is basically what I came to. You know, it, it programming now drives it more than editorial. I can have a great story, but if the algorithms and the analytics say, yeah, that's not going to really, you know, that's not going to draw a lot of readership, or we know exactly how many yeah, clicks we're going to get for that, then 
it's it's probably not going to see the light of day or I'm not going to be get I'm not going to get greenlit to do that story. And I look at Bleacher Report and I look at all of the sports websites that started when they shot the gun and they have not only survived but thrived. So I went into it thinking uh you know what these guys know something because they're they're I'm I'm dealing with smart guys who are still finding a way to give me a platform and others a platform to do what we do and cover sports and cover the NBA in particular. I'm going to find a way to work, you know, within what they're saying is is the uh, is the new golden rule because um, clearly what I've seen is the way that I did it previously or the places that I worked for previously, those ways were no longer working. Yeah, and we just yeah, it's, everything has changed. The whole industry in so many ways. Um, I want to let's go to some NBA lightning round because it, it, technically it is pure hoops media um, uh, with some people that you've worked with before. And mm-hmm. I want to I, I'm going to go because I listened. To, I've tried to listen to your podcast a few times just to get some pointers. And to be honest, it hasn't helped me at all. But anyway, I just want to <laughs> let you know that. You, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Just, I'm flattered. I'm kidding. I'm, it's very entertaining. What a backhanded compliment, by the way. I try no, no. to listen to your podcast. No, times. I'm losing you a little bit, but I, 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 but you're a little bit faint there. But, but I, I totally get it. No, no, you, you actually, you're, you're a good listen because I, you know, I'm weird like this. Everybody could say like Wojnarowski. I knew back in the day. I don't really listen mm. to him because I don't know. I, I just, I got used to listening to people I've known longer and and I consider friends. And so yeah. So I just I don't know what it is. I just um, I'm I, maybe it's because I'm all basketballed out sometimes. But you really get into the nitty gritty, and Ryan Hollins is great, and you and your guys are uh, tremendous about basketball. Let's do a little lightning round if you're okay with it, and sure. um, and just talk. Um, let's see, let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna go right off the bat because you went onto this in your podcast this week. Um, MVP right now, Giannis or James Harden. I am going to say James Harden right now. And uh, look, anybody who wants to make the case for Giannis, I understand. And best record and all of that, he is, again, this comes down to when the league's never defined MVP. If you ask me who is the best uh, all-around, most impactful, I don't even know how to define what what Giannis is, Um, the, the, the most gifted two-way player I could or most dynamic two-way player if you wanted to give that I would say okay that's Giannis and if you're voting for MVP that way that's Giannis Mm. if you're asking me who controls a game who creates the biggest problem for opposing teams and is directly the reason his team wins because of what he does then I'm and and for the bulk of his and this is obviously I don't think there's an analytic to size it up, but of the wins that the Rockets have, my argument would be James Harden has had a bigger has been a bigger reason for every one of those wins, even if there are fewer of them, than Giannis has for the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, that's and, fine. And look. James Harden, that's not a that's not a uh, cop out answer at all because James Harden is for. It's funny in this world of 
what the war, Warriors have meant to basketball and certainly the Spurs and and the Phoenix Suns with Steve Nash before then, like the move and pass and all the beautiful chemistry yeah. and sublime choreography that, you know, you and I love and, and basketball purists love. That's why we watch the game. Like Harden can be anti that, but he's so darn good at it. It doesn't matter. Yep. I mean, he's historical. He is historical. He, he is. He's found a way to manipulate the game and to manipulate the rules in his favor in order to do historical things. Now, the numbers, I can't, I, I still, is, is Harden a historically talented player or is he a talented player that is playing in an era that allows him to do historic things? I'm inclined to say it's the latter rather than the former. And I say the same thing about Russ Westbrook's triple doubles. I think yeah. if you took a variety of players in the past and you put them in today's game, especially guards, I mean, it's just become such a guard-oriented game that uh, that they would be able to put up the same uh, or similar numbers. It wouldn't be such an extraordinary accomplishment. Uh, well, I, so, yeah. yeah. No, Isaiah Thomas said he's he was he was obviously uh, preferential to his own era, but he said. If you know what what coach in the NBA, even if it was almost Larry Bird, man, if you took seven threes and you missed all seven, do you think yeah. they would all be on the bench? Like you know, yeah. Clay Clay Thompson took eleven in a row and missed all eleven, and Steve Young, Kara was on the sideline saying, "Keep shooting," and yep. it's yep. like a yep. different game. It really is, and it's it's not one we know because I distinctly remember Kevin Durant. Um, is running down the right wing on a break in the finals either, was it last year, two years ago, Stephen Curry's on the left wing. He's It's like a two-on-one. He's got yeah. the, he's got an open three. And and everything you and I and everybody was taught, you know, from, you know, five years ago on down was hit the open guy and especially the open yeah. guy that's got a layup. And, yeah. and Steph Curry pulled up, shot it, hit it. Durant never even looked twice. He was like, yeah, yeah, we got the three. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh, my God, the guy didn't hit his open man. Like, how do you even tell kids on the playground? I have an eight-year-old. Like, how do you tell a kid to hit an open man when that doesn't? And it's like, no. This, the, the statistical analysis is if a guy shoots 50% from there and it's worth another point, you have him shoot the ball. <laughs> well, and how many times do you see, how many times do you see, like we were taught, you know, at the free throw line or that angle just below the top of the key, that you're, on, you're filling a lane on the wing that's when you start to make your cut toward the basket. Now, at the same spot, instead of cutting toward the basket, guys flare to behind the three-point line on a 2v1. Like, we're yeah, we got a 2v1, and we could probably, you know, depending on who it is, maybe I lob it and he flushes it, but just as often you'll see that guy flare and look for the three as opposed to, uh, and especially on a, three, a 3v1 guys are going to be flaring to the to the wings rather than going up. But, it, you know, you were talking about Harden and, and sort of the criticism of that game. You and I are old enough to remember, like, there was a time Michael Jordan was criticized in the same way. Like, no, you're I right. remember people who thought he was, like, his style of game, his one-on-one -on -one dominance was causing, you know, it was corrupting the youth of America, uh, including one Kobe Bryant to play a similar fashion and that it was uh, that it was ruining basketball and it was, it was less entertaining than it had been previously. My guest is Rick Buecher. 
He is the senior writer at Bleacher Report and host of Buker and Friends podcast. Um, let's see. Uh, that wasn't exactly lightning round. That was sloth round. Uh, the Lakers <laughs> make or miss playoffs? Boy, the loss to Phoenix uh, really changed things for me because I was of the mind that they were going to sneak in. There's a part of me that still believes that they can. I know what their schedule is, but this there's something that ha- – you know what? Screw it. I say they still make it. Between you know Rajon Rondo and LeBron James, somehow, some way, I see them getting in – and whether it's Sacramento or it's San Antonio uh, or, or the Clippers, like there's going to be a team that's going to fall out that is going to allow them to have a spot. Because it comes down to this. This is like the playoffs. And when you have the playoffs, it's about players who have been there and have demonstrated that they can execute and win games under this kind of pressure. I honestly, I don't see those guys in San Antonio or with the Clippers. This is why Rick Buecher and I could ever host a show together because he steals my takes before I have them. This was exactly what I was going to come up with. I, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that I don't count a guy like LeBron out until I see him. The will power of he and Rondo together, uh, mm-hmm. that, and I've seen, I've seen both of them lift different teams to a different level because of how they play in, in tight situations and seminal moments. I just yeah, yep. I can't bet against them until they're mathematically eliminated. I won't. Yeah. Um, well, and I would feel ahead. better about betting against them if I saw teams that I thought were formidable in their way. But let's okay. face it, Sacramento is a young team. San Antonio, walking into the locker room, I didn't recognize 80% of the names that were up on the, on the lockers. And the Clippers made a decided step toward we're going to, you know, we're, we're, we're going to punt and, uh, we're going to look to acquire talent this summer. So I think when it comes down to it, the other part is who has the most pressure to make the playoffs, right? Yeah. I'm, no, you're right. No, you're right. Who has the most pressure? I'm rooting for the Clippers like nobody this offseason because I think um, if Lee Jenkins can be part of that success, we can all get the Lee Jenkins job with different organizations. <laughs> like, what the dude, frick is that? Uh, dude, I am telling you, I, I'm of this exact same mind. I – I said it when he got hired. I said, look, every every journalist, every writer, everybody in the media should be rooting for Lee Jenkins to be successful because yeah. if he is, that opens up another field of jobs and opportunities. Oh, yeah. For oh, no. I, t- I was rapping with I, – I was talking with a Cupshack about Mitch Cupshack at the All-Star game, and he was like, what's he going to do for him? What the- I'm like, I, I guess I'm not going to pitch you on the Lee Jenkins <laughs> job for your organization there, Mitch. No, you I? have to. You have I know. To. That's why I told. I said. I said if you're if you're smart, Mitch, like you you do it. Why Lawrence Frank did it because he saw some Michael Lewis thing where Michael Lewis was interviewed and said that the next guy that you should get for your professional sports organization isn't the traditional scout that can tell you what he's got in a jugs gun or what what is uh, what his skill set is. It's a guy who's like part time detective, part time amateur psychologist that knows these guys a little bit. Who the who the hell knows them better than we do, Buke? Yep. Well, that's yeah, just I don't know if I go quite that far. All right, all right. Well, just just to go with it, I'm embellishing. But this is what we do know. This is yeah. what we do know without question. Is we know how to find out more deeply about these guys. Yes. We've been spending years learning how to do that. 
some of the best stories I know you've written, Mike, have been all about that. Is is you know we're always looking for how do we get inside this guy and find out what he's really about and what yep. makes him tick and what he's attracted to because that's the other part. Like as I understand it, it's not just Lee's job to kind of figure out you know what what Kawhi Leonard is really all about and what he likes to eat and you know it it, it is to tell a story that mesmerizes Kawhi Leonard into thinking, yeah, the Clippers is where I should go. It will answer all the things that I want out of basketball. Now, the only Mm. way you can answer that is if you know what it is that he wants, but then you have to be able to tell the story. You have to be, look, Pat Riley and all the success he's had, you know why? I mean, Mm. he knows basketball, obviously. He is as good a storyteller as anybody I have ever met anywhere when it comes yep. to telling a tale and that's why he's put together this i mean i the number of guys that i've talked to grant hill going back to when he was a free agent miami didn't even have any money brian grant will tell you the same thing miami would miami had like a one 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 hundredth of the money to offer and yet they would make, meet with pat and pat would tell them about their program and they would come in even with misgivings about oh no no, we could we right. could spend yeah we could spend a whole podcast on the Riley mystique. Jeannie Buss, who gave me an hour a couple of weeks ago, I remember her telling it to us as well as anybody. I don't even know if you were part of it, but we, we the Lakers were training camping in, in training camp in Hawaii some twenty yeah. years ago or something, and and she you know her and one of her uh, incredibly hot friends who professionally enough, I did not even get her number because uh, you know, I just didn't, I'm not that kind of guy. And she, she they go to the Ilikai and, and, and all of a sudden she goes, you know, you guys are all uh, talking about Riley and how he's, you know, like women are attractive. No, it's not women. Guys are attracted to him. He's a dude magnet. Everybody, every guy I know wants to be him. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? You're right. He is a dude magnet. And uh, yeah. and I think you know he just has he he has a gift that sort of he knows that these guys are essentially twelve individual um, CEOs of their own little corporations, and he knows that they're surrounded by people who tell them what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear, and they still yearn for that one guy that they respect that tells them what they need to hear. And Pat Riley is that guy, and he's like turned it into a. He's, he's like psychology. Like he, he just, it's incredible. And yeah. uh, it's, it's well, why they, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. I think the, the, the other thing that he has, and I would say Greg Popovich has it too, but one of the, one of the great blessings that both of those guys have is that when it comes down to the things that those 12 CEOs can't get on their own is they can't get a ring. And Pat Riley and Greg Popovich, other than being incredibly personable, and having a way with words, they learned the formula as far as how to win a championship very early on in their careers. And so they always had that as the thing to dangle, is I can get you, if you listen to me, if you follow me, I know the path to getting a ring and a championship. And I know that's what you want, because it's the one thing that you don't have in many Mm. instances. Let, let me show you, you know, trust me, come with me, and I'll show you. And he did it just enough where guys bought in. And, I mean, look across the, look across the landscape right now. 
like how many coaches are out there that can make that argument? They're not in the league anymore. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You're, you're completely right. Okay. Lightning round is really going fast here. Um, let's, let's <laughs> we've burned, we've be, we burned be, down the house. With one be, be, yeah. We we'll, we'll go off on everything. We're, we're famous talkers. Uh, Rick Buecher and I are, um, do you, uh, Rick really quick, where do you think Kyrie ends up next year? Um, Boston, um, shoot uh, somewhere in LA or New York. Um, he's, he's just, he's, beguiled me i mean i i went from yeah. being in love with him as sort of this what do i call him not an iconoclast but like a just a you know i'm gonna be my own guy and yes i can i can run a team and look at me and and just incredibly you know not only the moves and the offense but the way he found guys and now like it, it seems like he's turned into uh king diva and i'm not sure what he's about and it's sort of like he's like almost instead of going into the bunker, almost when the kitchen's getting hot, he wants out. He wants to get out before anybody else. Yeah, I, I know that there are some uh, dis disagreements between, or there's disagreements between he and and Danny uh, on a couple of things. And I don't, again, you know, part of this is what's the lasting power, what's the, 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 the half-life of, of those disagreements or those arguments do they last? Do they subside? Do the, the, the success of the team uh, mollify them? I I don't I don't know. My inclination right now and is I would it, it really depends on Boston. I mean I think if Boston fully and I mean Danny and the the organization like fully embraced him, I think he would stay in Boston. If he doesn't, then. I, I see New York as the next mm -hmm. most viable place for him to go. And I don't say that with any sort of inside knowledge from his circle or any of that. I mean, I know that I know kind of a little bit about what's been going on in Boston. And, um, and I do, and I was told that like from someone who would know that, yeah, he like his issues with LeBron uh, in Cleveland, uh, he's, he shifted, and he would he would consider uh, playing with LeBron again. Mm. I think if he looked, I think if he looked at the Lakers, I think if he looked at right now, there's a lot there that would discourage him. Uh, and I think ultimately, when he sits down and he weighs everything, yeah, that he's going to see that the, that he's got better uh, options. I mean, honestly, let's let's put it this way: you could go to New York right and play with Kevin Durant. Or you could go to the Lakers and play with LeBron James. Who would you, who would you play with? Like, who, where would you go if you're saying this is how I'm going to spend the next five, six years? Well, I I look at the whole roster, and I'm much more confident that that uh, Magic and Rob Palinka and Jeannie Buss will get things right before anybody in New York. And it well, is now why? Okay, so but why is that? Why is that? When like why why is that? Yeah, because because there's an incredibly low bar in New York. <laughs> there's just no bar to clear. And 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 if you do a little bit beyond that, I have no faith in that organization as it's led by Jim Dolan to to, to even be competitive in the next three years. And that's even getting a Kevin Durant. I don't know if they'd even know who the right people to put around him was. I, but that's yeah. just me. I mean, that's just me. Yeah, I feel as if I feel as if you know. I mean, look. 
I've long been impressed with what Scott Perry has done. Okay. He was, he was in Detroit. He was in Oklahoma City. Uh, he was in Orlando for a hot minute, and Sacramento finally gave him the keys to the car. And then New York came a call, in and he couldn't say no. And I just, I, you know, the more I think about what he and Joe Dumars built in Detroit, that yeah. they were a perennial contender for like seven straight years in New York out yeah. of what? Like, look at the players that they put together. Look at how they built that team. It wasn't out of mega superstars. Like, they put together a functional team, a successful title contending team in Detroit out of in many ways, cast offs. Yeah. So, I, look, is the is there the very real possibility that uh, that that Jim Dolan will step in and screw it up? Yeah, because he did it to Don, he, he did it to Donnie uh, Donnie Walsh. Um, at one point, he had five GMs on his on his uh, pay uh, payroll, and he made the Carmelo deal by himself. I mean, there's always that great possibility that yeah Jim no i mean yeah look at up. phil jackson phil jackson what yeah. irrespective of whether phil did it to himself or not i mean new new york like phil jackson went to new york as as probably the most influential mind in the game at that point and yeah he left he left as sort of this tarnish like what are you doing old man and it's like new york the knicks are the classic it's a reverse car wash you're going clean and you leave filthy well, but but they hired they hired Phil to build a roster. Yeah. What kind of freaking history did he have? Yeah. Like, you should have. Yeah, you could have got you could have cut Cupcheck a lot more cheaper. You know. Yeah. And yeah. at least Cupcheck. Cupcheck. I mean, Phil. One of the things that Phil Phil had no relationships with anybody. No. He hated agents. He, no, you he, know, yeah. he turned off so many people in the league. Now as a GM, especially if you're if you're running a a an organization that needs to rebuild, like your relationships around the league, that's your lifeblood. Yeah. That's you have to be, you have to be kind. You have to be kind to everybody. But so, so we're, a, we're in agreed that the Celtics are just screwed. Aren't we? We're just both. <laughs> like they, they no. I, I, I don't like, I, I believe in Brad Stevens as a coach, uh, but really? I, unless he shows me something different, uh, yep. like harnessing those personalities, when you got uh, Morris um, saying what he said, like it, it really does feel like they don't like each other and they don't like playing together. And 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 until that changes, whether it's the Anthony Davis scenario, uh, everybody's saying Rich Paul, uh, the you know head of Clutch, LeBron's guy, had basically screwed up three franchises with one statement. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I yeah. know that I know that guys need to have a little bit of thicker skin, even young players that they will be possibly moved. But it's like, they, 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 these guys are really like, you know, it's more, more than anybody. Like we we've run into people in our business now that love to calibrate the game instead of actually celebrate it and analyze it in which it should yep. be. And it's still about a mind games. It's still whether these guys believe they can do it. And I don't think the Celtics believe it now. Well, I, look, their problems uh, started for the Celtics problems started long before the trade deadline. It started the second that you had a healthy Gordon Hayward and you had Kyrie Irving and now Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum all now have to play lesser roles. And 
after leading the team to the Eastern Conference. And they're young guys. And Brad, for all of his success, has to figure out how to manage all these egos and these egos with either sizable contracts or the interest in getting them. And so, I, you know, I've still seen glimpses of what the Celtics are capable of doing when everybody puts their agendas aside. And I still believe they can be the best. I believe that they have the raw ability to be champions this year. I firmly believe that. Now, whether they get in their own way, um, I, that's a very real possibility. And the later the season gets and the more that they continue to have, you know, these just these, these agendas and guys not willing to take a role and Brad not willing to kind of put his foot down, I, I, you know, it makes, me, it makes me wonder whether they're even coming out of, out of the East at this point. But, yeah. like, here's the thing. Uh, wait, I, can, I, I, can I just back up just one second? Um, yeah. One, one. do you have five more minutes for us? Because I know you have yeah. a busy night tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And two, did, like, I want to go back. Like, did you actually say you believe the Celtics could win the championship? Yes, I did. Okay. They were my pick at the beginning of the year, and I'm not coming off of them yet. Yeah. Okay. Great. You and Danny Ainge's mom. Okay. So I don't, I, that's the craziest thing I've heard in anybody say outside of Boston and Steve Bullpet and you know, these, these Yahoo Celtic fans, are you out of your mind? You don't even seem like a guy who gets high to me, but you must be out of, you must be getting some psilocybin <laughs> in your brain that I don't know about. The Celtics don't um, have, I, the Raptors I don't think can get a game from the Warriors in the finals. And that's who I think's going. Yeah, well, I, I think you're I think you're vastly overestimating who the Golden State Warriors are. If you have you have you taken a look at the fact that defensively, they are a worse team than the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, now, I understand that. I understand that. I also think that they're like in that Shaq Kobe mode when they got into the third championship yeah. year, and it's sort of like you know we want to be right and ready by the by yeah. the start of the playoffs healthy wise yeah. and the dirty little secret as you know is some of the some of the veteran teams that are champions already their whole thing is almost you know deciding which regular season games they really want to go all out you are correct but here's the problem they've had a number of those marquee games they've had the ones where this is the time for us to make a statement and they couldn't I've yeah. seen them. I've seen them coast. I've seen them kind of like, okay, we just need to get to the finish line. But every now and then they demonstrated, look, when we need to get it done, we can get it done. And they have not, they've done it offensively. When they need to get over on somebody, offensively, you will see an explosion. But defensively, you haven't seen, you haven't seen them suddenly put a chokehold on anybody and say this is going to be a sub 100 game tonight because we got to let you know that we can still play championship caliber defense and for all of the excitement around demarcus cousins demarcus cousins is a defensive liability in a major way against any team that has a dynamic center that can rim run i wait a minute now our our my Pure Hoops media brethren, Eric Newman, is yes. doing a Showtime documentary. I, you obviously I'm know Eric. He, he speaks very highly of you. Some of the things you guys did at Bleacher Report, including the on, uh, including the Spurs pound the rock thing in 2014. But yeah. I, I, I will I will swear by Cousins right now because 
Eric Newman is doing a, uh, a documentary on him for no other reason than that. Basically. <laughs> Look, I love Cousins, and, and he has been able to do more with the Warriors, and he has tried to assimilate himself. He has been – like, he's been so many things that I thought he was capable of, but that – because, but I just wondered whether he could on a great team because of all the other situations that he'd been in. Yeah. I've been a DeMarcus Cousins fan for a long time, but I'm just telling you that his lack of mobility defensively with Draymond Green not being the same and, uh, and uh, Andre Iguodala not being the same. Like yeah. their top-notch defensive players aren't as good as they've previously been. And now you're adding another player in DeMarcus Cousins who can't be, who's, who's a, a C, maybe C-plus defender, yeah. uh, along with Steph. Teams attack both of those guys. And, and uh, even a limited offensive team like my, the Miami Heat has torched them twice. Yeah. And why? Because they got Bam Adebayo and they got uh, and they got Hassan Whiteside and uh, and and they just they rim run and if you if he if Demarcus steps out to stop the pick and roll they're throwing it to the rim and you're getting a flush and if he doesn't then the guy's turning the corner and he's getting all the way there on yeah. Steph or whoever else it might be. Yeah, that's fair. I, I guess I, I was a little brainwashed by seeing him last night against Philly and Draymond getting a couple big rebounds late and, and you know, cutting off the passing lanes. But you're right. Yep. If you if you took the whole if you took the whole picture, that's fair that they, they aren't defensively the team way war. And, you know, and uh, and their GM, Bob, what's it? Bob. Uh, Bob Myers. Yeah. He's just going to he's just going to he's going to find the right people next year and get rid of them and because he's the greatest gm in the history of gms and that's all there is to <laughs> well, it well it's really uh, the owner it's yeah. the owner that he's the real joe lake is the real reason that they yeah. are ahead of the curve even though yeah. they tried to sign tyson chandler and andre uh and deandre jordan and dwight howard and uh the list yeah. goes on of the bigs yeah. that they tried to sign and then david lee pulls his hamstring and they discover what they have in dream on green, but they are ahead of the game. They, they are playing four dimensional chess while everybody else is playing checkers. We are speaking, uh, we are speaking to Richard Matthias Buker. Uh, is that your actual full name? That is actually, <laughs> yes. What? You don't trust, you don't trust Wikipedia either, huh? No, I don't. And I, <laughs> I wanted to make sure because I, um, it's just Richard Mathias. It's such a, what I would call a, um, an official name. It's official. Rick is so basic, you know, but, but Richard Mathias Buker, uh, born 1961, three years older than me, yet still has his hair. Um, people have called you a ginger. I've always thought of you as a blonde. What would you yeah. be, a blonde or a ginger there, Ricky? Uh, I think it depends on how much, uh, how much time I'm spending in the ocean. Okay. If I'm getting good time in the ocean, then I'm blonde. Um, if not, uh, my hair is certainly not as red as it once was. I was clearly, I was almost auburn uh, colored uh, when I was growing up. But um, 
How about strawberry blonde? Can we go with that? Yeah, that's fine. Strawberry blonde is fine. I, and, I, you know, if anybody feels uncomfortable listening to this, I don't give a crap. I don't give a shit because I don't have any hair. And I'm willing to talk about anybody's hair that actually can comb it at yeah. that age. Um, and because you're a wise ass. And I'm because I'm a wise ass, even though the show is now the Mike Wise Show, because Twitter has banned me from being the wise ass if I can, if I have to uh, advertise with them. My God. But, uh, by the way, but, can't you have like your English lady or whoever does the intro? Can't you just have her say, it's the Mike Wise Show? Yeah, well, Darlene's awesome. She, she, you know, Darlene hooked me up today that she basically went off on Twitter in a backhanded way, and we love her. and. I wish we could pay her more than rubles and kopecks because she does a great job. Um, all right, so really quickly, because I kind of know of your background, uh, are you are you you're from Cincinnati, correct? Uh, that is correct. Yeah. So my my wife lived. My wife grew up in the Silverton area. I don't know if I ever told you that. Um, no, you did not. Yeah, and she's and and then you and then you were these guys like I mean you're everything I wanted to be. You had a full head of hair. You went to an Ivy League school, Dartmouth. You played mm -hmm. soccer in Kyle. You played Division One sports. You got a BA in English, and mm -hmm. um, you know. And and somehow I got into your club. I have no idea how. I still remember <laughs> us playing. I still remember me playing in thongs outside the Mercury News um, on my yeah. last night there before I got a job at the New York Times. That was kind of cool, actually. Uh, oh, you know, I, I just like your your background. Like, did you have any brothers and sisters? I, I have no really, brothers. A younger brother, okay. And younger brother, yeah. Parents still living? Parents are both still living. Great. My, uh, yeah, yeah. They're uh, they're ridiculously old. I think my dad's coming up on eighty nine. That's and my great, mom though. Is coming up on eighty three. Yeah, very impressive. Well, yeah, that they're still around, and and that's cool that they got to see their grandkids. I knew, like me, I got married at forty six. How old were you? Because I know you got married later too. Yeah, it was uh, it was right around forty, maybe forty one. I got I I I got married. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got married when I finally realized, like, if I I would I would date a really beautiful woman, and I knew that I had the opportunity to sleep with her, and I'd think. Yeah, but I'm gonna have to talk to her afterward. Is it worth it? <laughs> and once, and once I started like, oh that Dude, we flew the whole head. podcast. By the way, if we started with that, we would have had everybody and their mom. But go ahead. <laughs> no, I just when I got to that point, I realized, you know what? It's time for me to get married because I, it's, yeah, it's um. You know, yeah, well, just it's like the good, guy. I'm looking for something a little bit more than having a good time. Well, that's the funny thing is I remember distinctly going out to dinner with you in a date and I had a regular girlfriend um, and we were, we, we, it was probably like, I was still at the New York Times, probably late nineties. And we end up at some place on, in Santa Monica or eating seafood. And we're both looking at each other like, we're not, we're not going to be with these girls for more than two weeks, are we? <laughs> and, and it wasn't like that we were dogs or bad people. We're yeah. just like, yeah. I, I think we either didn't know ourselves enough or, you yeah. know, had were so committed to like running around the country, believing that we were basketball scribes and broadcasters yeah. that we had to like, we, we had to, we were so selfish that we didn't have any time for anybody else. And, um, yeah. but, and you, your kids are now, uh, their kids are now playing ball, right? Ninth and 10th grade or something. Yeah. 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 They're both 14 and 15. My daughter just uh, was trying out for a, an elite AAU team today. We'll see see where that goes. But we it's funny, you know, melding the two topics together, 
she we were having a conversation on the on the drive home about um you know some boys that were uh, clearly to me they were into like some boys like texted her about a, a homework assignment she goes why is he texting me he like doesn't he have schoology he has he has the same access to the information i have online and i go because he's interested he's got a crush on you or whatever and she goes well you know that anyway that's that's he's not that's, my type or whatever and i said i said so why doesn't he like he just say like that that he wants to hang out i go because boys are stupid like we don't know how to like no. express our feelings that we we're, we're we're knuckleheads when it comes to that you have to give us like some slack you have to understand we're kind of emotionally and socially retarded half the time yeah 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 you're right we we just don't we don't get it and we don't we don't get it hopefully until later even then we're we're hard to communicate with but at least we kind of know what they're getting at uh one one or two quick ones last I, just some advice about not being a psycho dad. I never saw him. I made fun of those people. I like, but it's like, and, and I'm, and I think I've coached an AU team that my son was on. I, I think yeah. I was a very good coach for everybody, but him. I think I was harder on him. I just yeah. like anything that you like, there's some days when I think this kid's going to be the greatest shooter since Steph. And there's, and, yep. and there's other times when I'm just like, if it just show an ounce of desire, please. So an ounce, just show you me you care and I'll stop paying for this elite program that you're allegedly in. Okay. Cause right. I don't want to pay a cent right. more if you don't right. go after the ball and fight for it. And so like, right. I I'm trying to like be the supportive dad, but it's hard sometimes. I just wondered if you have any advice on that. Oh, hell no. Um, okay, good. I mean, I, this is my, this has always been my thing, which, well, I, I will say this, this is kind of what I discovered and I've discovered it just over the last, I'd say five or six months is that um, they are going to be who they are going to be. And they're going to be as talented as, or as committed to the game as they choose to be. And I don't have any control over that. I can't persuade them. I can't influence them. I can't like I just they're they're and they and sometimes they surprise me and sometimes they disappoint me and so I've just I've decided you know what I'm going to lay the opportunities out for them and if they take them great and if they don't my number one thing is I always want them to see that we can have I want that the the lines of communication to always be open I want them to always mm. be able to talk to me about whatever's going on and that whatever they are as athletes or as students, like that is a very small window in the big picture of their lives. And I want our relationship to be sustained over time, not just while they're playing ball or they're, you know, I'm driving them to school or whatever it is. And if I keep that in mind, then I, I approach things a little bit different in the in current situations. Uh, I got to wrap it up there. It's uh, that was so awesome. That was uh, I've gone from single shallowhood with Rick Buecher to <laughs> to you know actually thoughtful parent adulthood, and it's 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 been magical. I would I'd love to go more into the um, in, into the women that we thought we could have dated and we didn't, or we did, and we're never going to tell anybody. Um, but right. that, that'll be for another podcast. You broke some news, uh, LeBron, you believe that LeBron is uh, now an option for Kyrie and he's sort of gone beyond it and he realizes that it's possible. That's huge. You've also shown that you're a lunatic for saying the Celtics could win it all. However, 
uh, I can't thank you enough, my friend. And I mean this sincerely. Um, uh, you've had me on your stuff a lot. You've kept my name out there when I was struggling to uh, find myself in the groove again. And so thank you. So thank you for being on with us. Well, Mike, you're, you're a great storyteller. I've always admired your work. And uh, there has to be, I, that's, that's for me, is I just feel like I'm going to maintain my connections. And if, if anything, if I can provide opportunities for people whose work I admire, then I feel like that's part of the deal. So thank you for having me on. Thanks again to Rick Buecher and really everybody who helps put this on at Pure Hoops Media, including uh, Bruce Bernstein, our executive producer, and also Jeff Torini, who without his technological brilliance, this would not be possible. And thank all of you out there. Uh, we'll see you next week. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Pure Hoops Media.